0: Growth Igniter's Radio, Episode 65, Embracing the Power of Constraints. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success.
1: On the web at businessadvance.com. And now... Here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott.
0: Hi, Pam. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you again for another episode of Growth Ignitus Radio. And if this is your first time listening, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, what's up for today?
1: The power of constraints in business and in life in general. Constraints. Constraints. Well, as you know, Scott, we've been speaking about how the environment in which we all work supports us in many ways. But also constrains us as well. Oh, yeah. It's quite a paradox. Now, many people speak about constraints as being pretty much all negative. But you and I, we have a different perspective. Oh, yeah, we do. And constraints can have their good side, and learning to embrace constraints can actually give us a positive edge, Mm -hmm. right? Well, another person who very much shares this perspective, and then some, is today's guest, Whitney Johnson, the author of Disrupt Yourself, Putting the Power of Disruptive Innovation to Work. Whitney was our guest in episode 41, where we spoke about her book and driving innovation through personal disruption. Whitney... Co-founded the boutique investment firm Rose Park Advisors with Clayton Christensen and was an institutional investor-ranked analyst for eight consecutive years, including at Merrill Lynch. She's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review and is also author of the 2012 book Dare, Dream, Do. Whitney is widely recognized for her contributions, including being named a Future Thinker finalist by Management Thinkers 50 in 2013, and was one of Fortune's 55 Most Influential Women on Twitter in 2014. Whitney's also the co-founder of the 40 Over 40 list, recognizing women who are reinventing, disrupting, and making an impact. You can see Whitney's full bio by going to growthignitersradio.com and episode 65 and with that we welcome whitney back to growth igniters radio thank you i'm delighted to be here we're so glad you're here and this is such an incredible topic and i feel like we're soulmates a little bit on this (laughs) because most people view constraints as negatives and we were fascinated. You have a whole chapter in your book where you talk about this. So can you tell us a little bit about why you believe that constraints can be positives, especially for disruptive innovation?
2: One of the most daunting things for me ever is when someone says, can you write a piece, write about anything you want? And I just think, ugh, I would <laughs> much rather have an editor give me a topic, any topic, no matter how ridiculous with Mm. a word count and a deadline. It's just so much easier than starting with a blank page. Uh And then I think about, The Jaws, I mean, we all know that movie. And yet some of the most iconic scenes in that film came about because the mechanical shark that Steven Spielberg wanted to use, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So he's over budget, he's behind schedule, and he finally decided to film the the scene from the shark's point of view and let the music, and we can all hear that music in our head Uh uh and the imagination do the rest. And so the question is, I think about these two sort of different examples for me, and it's albeit rhetorical, is, was Spielberg, and am I, when I write, successful in spite of or because of my constraints? And my thesis, obviously, is that it's because of.
0: Hmm. So uh, you've got a point there. A little bit more about what makes living in a more constrained environment easier to handle. Well, what's
2: interesting is that they give us faster feedback. And so if you think about when you're trying something new, which is effectively upending your status quo, Mm -hmm. you want and you actually need lots of feedback to figure out if you know, what you're doing is working. And so if you think about skateboarders, right. they're some of the quickest learners in the world because they receive this incredibly fast and useful feedback. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's skateboarders, but it also applies when you're trying to put a product or an idea out into the marketplace.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's true. You know, uh, just to clarify, when we're talking about feedback, we're talking about more than what a lot of people think about feedback, which is, oh, Whitney, that was great. <laughs> We're talking about much, much more than that. Can you go into what you mean by feedback, just Absolutely. to clarify? And in fact, that isn't,
2: if I I was thinking about that the other day, that's actually not feedback. It's a compliment <laughs> 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 at some level, right? They liked it or they didn't, but it's not necessarily feedback. But yes, what I mean by feedback is, I mean it as information. It's a source of information. And so a, a great example for this as I think about it is um, shrinking the space that athletes do sometimes when when they're trying to get their swimmers to swim faster or better, they make them swim in a very small space. Or when it comes to your products, for example. Mm -hmm. So Vala Afshar, he's now the chief evangelist at Salesforce, but he was formerly the CMO at Extreme Networks. And he built this huge following for himself in social media because he shrank the space and effectively focused on Twitter, so he's this developer by training. He gets this mandate from his CEO to get onto Twitter, interact with networks outside of the company. He prototypes his ideas in real time in 140 characters, to be exact. Eventually, because of that following, by shrinking the space, a publisher approaches him about a book. His presentations on SlideShare have over a million views. In shrinking this space, he got this over and over and over again immediate and actionable feedback, helping his company punch above his weight, and now he's the chief evangelist at salesforce.com.
0: Okay, so the constraint of Twitter, of course, is those 140 or so characters. And you have to be really good at getting extraordinarily concise. You can't wander around. And it's, it is a challenge to work well within that constraint.
2: Scott, is it, it's, it's, in addition to the 140 characters, it's also that you're getting this immediate feedback, right? Oh, because true. if you put something out there and no one retweets it, or no one responds to you, you know, they're eh, not that interested. But if you mm-hmm. put something out there and people retweet, then you know, huh, that idea has legs. So it, it, there's a two two elements of the feedback involved.
1: Mm-hmm. So again, it's really looking at what is happening or not happening, and so feedback can take many forms. I, I think that. People don't think about feedback as broadly as they need to. Mm -hmm. Some people say, well, this is uh, metrics, but it's not necessarily feedback. I want to emphasize that feedback looks like all kinds of things, but really about what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you agree with me? Absolutely. And I think one thing that you said that was
2: interesting is, is it's what's happening or what's not happening silence is one of the actually is a very very powerful form of feedback and so but it's it's as you said an ability to tune in and understand that feedback comes in many forms and functions if you become aware of it
1: so just very quickly uh the fast feedback that we're talking about how would you say that it enables us to identify our distinctive strengths
2: well, whenever your resources are really limited, um, you've got like a lack of time or space, um, you become very bare bones, like strips to the bare, almost like I think about this old home being remodeled. Cause I like watching, you know, fixer upper on HGTV uh-huh. right. uh-huh. and when you're really limited, you get very scrappy. And in that scrappiness, you, you, because you have nothing else, you end up resorting to what you do reflexively well, or things that come naturally to you. And so you like discover the beautiful hardwood floor that is you Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. those are your strengths but you wouldn't have been able to find them without being forced to make do with what you have because you would try to find someone else who was expert or someone Mm -hmm. else you know try to buy a solution or try to just have more time to make it done and when you're just forced into this very small space you're like well i've only got what i've got and that's whatever you do reflexively well and that's a strength
1: Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll speak more with Whitney Johnson, author of Disrupt Yourself, about embracing the power of constraints. Stay with us.
0: You are listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of growth and success. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 65, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Whitney Johnson, author of the book Disrupt Yourself, about harnessing the power of constraints to succeed in unexpected ways. Whitney, tell us, how can people find you? They can find me um, at WhitneyJohnson.com.
2: They can follow me on Twitter at Johnson JohnsonWhitney. Um, and or if you want to sign up for my twice monthly newsletter, you can ping me at Whitney at WhitneyJohnson.com and just say
1: sign me up. And of course, if you go to com episode 65 and you scroll down under resources, you'll also get a link to Whitney's previous episode with us, as well as a link to find her this way as well. So let's get back to our conversation. Now, we were starting to talk about the fact that when you're really under the gun, when you really have these constraints, it brings out something in you that says, I've got to get down and really get to what I'm good at. But let's talk a little more about how constraints help us with problem solving.
2: Let's think about this in terms of the math behind the life of complete freedom. So the possibilities are incredibly impressive, but the complexity is debilitating. So for example, you take a 10 step process with only two options for each step this gives you 2 to the 10th or 1,024 possibilities. Okay. So given enough time, you can work through which path is going to lead to the best result. But if you take that same 10-step process and have three possibilities for each step, this gives you 3 to the 10th or 59,000 possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's way more daunting. And if you have complete freedom and infinite possibilities, well, the sheer enormity overwhelms. It just crushes you.
1: My eyes so-
2: are, are going bop. <laughs> Exactly. Right. (laughs) So if you're willing to move to just one problem at a time, which happens if you impose a constraint,
1: it's Uh much easier. Sure. So it it narrows it down. Yeah. As as a
0: uh, person trained as a research scientist, uh, one of the things that we really focus on is limiting the variables that you're testing so that you can understand the feedback you're getting. Constraint gives you more feedback that's meaningful that you can interpret
2: exactly exactly that's a great example yeah and i think you know if you think about this this also applies for us as as individuals so if you're trying to navigate a career Michelle McKenna Doyle, she's the CIO of the NFL, and she didn't graduate from college and apply to become the CIO. She, you know, she began her career in accounting, sat for the CPA, she became an auditor. So she solved for that problem, right? Right. Then she has the basic skills. She's ready to try something new. She goes to a former client, solving the same problems, but different industry and is able to become a controller. Mm -hmm. Stacks up the proof points. After four years, now she understands strategic planning. She stays in the same role, but she goes to a different company and industry, which is Disney. Continues to stack up proof points, eventually becomes a CIO. Tests that out, lots of different industries as a CIO, and then eventually lateral moves into the CIO position at the NFL. So as she patiently isolated these variables, like you were just Mm -hmm. talking about, Scott, she was able to solve this equation of personal disruption.
0: Okay, so making multiple steps, leaps, uh, one step at a time. That makes sense. Talking more about constraints. If we want to increase our focus, you've written about how adding constraints and embracing constraints can really help us zoom in on something important. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Sure. So a great example of this is, you know, all the crashes that happen every year, like 420,000 people were injured every year driving in the United States because Mm -hmm. of distracted drivers, which is why we have laws around texting. So when we're distracted, we can't focus. And it's also true when you're trying to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So you can improve that focus by imposing a constraint. Like a great example of this is Intuit, which I think I may have talked about on the last podcast where... Mm -hmm they wanted to solve the problem of, you know, improving India's lives. And so they didn't sort of give them unlimited resources of time and money. They just said, you know, three engineers, rural India for three weeks and figure something out. And as they did that, they came up with this amazing service called FASL, which Mm -hmm. has improved, you know, the lives of millions of people and made it possible for a lot more children to go to school because the parents' bottom line is improved. And so that's a great example of... Giving the engineers something to focus on, that constraint forced them to focus, and out of that came a very interesting innovation.
0: And going back to the research world, I've always thought that the answer you get is very, very much controlled by the question you ask. Mm. And so if you're asking the right question... <laughs> you know, you're more likely to get a good answer. So, constraining your questions can really give you the focus to get to a much better answer.
1: That's true. I think what would be interesting is also, though, to take the whole question about constraints from the standpoint of big data. You know, yeah. here we've got all this data coming. <laughs> oh at my us. word! What would you say to how you would impose constraints? based on the fact that we're out there trying to get more and more and more and more information. Mm -hmm.
2: If our premise is that people are successful um, because of not in spite of constraints, um, then I think we have to figure out a way to impose constraints. And so if you go back to this original conversation that we had about writing an essay, pick one question you want to answer, give yourself a time frame within which you're going to answer that question and a budget that you have allotted to answer that question. And then by imposing those constraints of budget and time and scope or focus, you're going to be able to um, use that data to get to some sort of meaningful, if certainly intermediate conclusion.
1: So it's how you interpret it. It's also the framework you use it's the constraints that you're imposing that can only make sense How out of that filter. big data. Yeah. Right, because otherwise you just, you're just you awash of data and you drown in it. Yeah. And too many people are, I think. hmm yes. Agreed. So with that, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Whitney Johnson, author of Disrupt Yourself, about actionable ways you can put constraints to use for enhancing your own business growth and success. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. So Pam, some of our listeners have told us that they want to review our podcast series on iTunes, but they aren't quite sure how to do it. It's a little complex. Oh no. Well, yeah. (laughs) We appreciate that feedback and we want everybody who listens to raise our profile by spreading the word through iTunes reviews so more people can find us. Well, that's why I created a short tutorial video which removes the mystery from this process. Go to growthignitersradio.com, look over at the sidebar on the right side of the page, and you'll see a headline, subscribe to Growth Igniters Radio. Click on the blue button. Under that uh, headline that says, How to Review Growth Igniter's Radio on iTunes, that'll open a page where you can play the video, which spells out everything you need to know about reviewing the podcast in just 84 seconds. And thanks again for helping us spread the good word about Growth Igniter's Radio.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Whitney Johnson, author of the book Disrupt Yourself, about the positive potential of constraints for focus, problem solving, and innovation, among other things. Whitney, can you tell us again how people can find you? Yes, absolutely, thanks for asking.
2: So um, one of the easiest ways to find me is WhitneyJohnson.com. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at Johnson Whitney. And if you'd like to sign up for my twice monthly
1: newsletter, send me an email at Whitney at Whitney com and just say sign me up. And again, you can find links and other information about Whitney Johnson at growth dot com. episode 65, just scroll down under resources, and you'll see all kinds of things. So Let's get back to the part of Growth Igniter's radio where we talk about the three immediately useful ideas that we can all start doing right now, as soon as we're done listening, to embrace the power of constraints in this case. What would be the first one, Whitney?
2: Let's start with money. Um, I think most of us don't have as much money, just like Steven Spielberg when he was trying to film Jaws, don't have the money that we need to do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. And very interesting study. I'm gonna recap this study that we talked about earlier and then tell you a story that you haven't heard before in Entrepreneur Magazine, which was a study done of uh, the 500 fastest growing companies in the United States, Mm -hmm. and looking at how those companies had funded their growth. And we all think that companies that are successful are the ones that are getting access to a lot of funding, but in fact, that wasn't the case. Only 28% of these companies had access to debt, 18% to equity, only 4%, 4% to venture capital. And so that means that at least 50%, as many as 72% of these companies had bootstrapped. They built their businesses with the cash that they were able to generate from the business and 61% were profitable within the first year. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, reasons I think they were successful is that they had to spend, but only when they earned money and learned some valuable lessons could they spend more and then learn some more and then earn. And getting that feedback, they knew that if they got that feedback, they could earn. And if they didn't, They couldn't. Um, And a great example of doing this kind of bootstrapping with money is a company called Pluralsight. It's this online training library for developers and IT professionals, kind of a more focused version of of Mm Lynda.com. 2004, Aaron Sconard and three colleagues, they start the company with $20,000. That's it. So they had to grow the fund, grow the business through cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, They had to get the business model right. Well, by 2007, they had 2.7 million in revenue. They pivoted from in-classroom training to online training in 2008. Demand exploded, and in 2014, they generated 60 million in revenue. I they started with twenty thousand. I wonder what would have happened if they'd started with a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. That's an interesting
1: maybe. question. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So would you say then that having a budget, giving ourselves a maybe a review of our budgets would be in order here? Absolutely. Because
2: what happens is when you have a budget, it, it it's a forcing function and you're required to make decisions about how you're going to spend your money. Mm-hmm. And so you, you look for ways to spend your money that are going to give you very quick wins and information. And so you're much, much more disciplined. And, and as a consequence of that discipline, you're more likely to be successful.
0: Of course, there's a balance here because you can go too far and choke things off, so you oh, have agreed. to to create that right balance of j- enough resource, but not too much so that you get that right focus without choking things to death.
2: Absolutely. In fact, there's a really interesting study. Um, research done by Adam Grant, who we all you know, think is fantastic, which is basically you, when you're at sort of the bottom of your learning curve, you're gonna be short on something, time, money, mm-hmm. expertise, mm-hmm. buying, and you've got to embrace constraints. But you, know, you, you get to this point where if you're going to continue to move up the curve, you have to impose constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you figure out how to optimize. Because as you say, Scott, there is a point where if your resources
1: are too scarce, you know, you got to have the boots in order to bootstrap. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's a really good point. So let's look at a second immediately actionable idea. We've started with a budget for just for starters.
2: Yes. Yeah. Knowledge or expertise. We sometimes think, oh, I've got to know everything there is to know. And, and we don't. And sometimes not knowing is is actually the way to go. Um, CK Woolley, she started a company in a a dress business called um, Shabby Apple. And she started it because she got sick. She wanted to do international development. She had to find another career. She goes back and says, "I love fashion. I'm going to try a dress business." But because she had no understanding of the fashion business, she didn't know that you hire an expensive wholesaler to represent your clothes. Mm-hmm. So she just she just set up online, which saved her a lot of cash and potentially unreliable partners. So lack of knowledge helped her there. Then The only manufacturer who agreed to work with her gave her just two choices of fabric, and because every pleat and seam and button cost money, she kept the design simple. Mm -hmm. So she was definitely hardworking and smart, but her skirting of the industry protocol really led her to become an industry leader in the online fashion dress business, you know, more than a decade ago and now they've got revenue well uh,
1: above 2 million dollars. That's a really inspirational story. So perhaps a an immediately useful step off of that would be to revisit the fact that maybe we don't know everything we need to know, but the real question is how can we do it anyway? How else exactly. can we focus on that outcome and get what we want, which is I do that a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's
2: it's a great question. I mean, one of the questions I'll ask people when I'm you know facilitating sessions with co- companies is, if you made a junior member of your team the CEO for a day, what would they be dumb enough to think that they could fix? Uh huh. Dumb yeah. in quotations, right?
1: Exactly. So you have to you not be afraid of the answer of I don't know, but it has to be I'm going to figure it out. Exactly. And yeah. we're gonna we're going to do it. So what's a third? area. What's a third thing people can do?
2: Time. I I think, um, I I think we've all had this experience of, um, you know, being in a position where we've sort of done things the way we've done them. And then we get sort of this extra added responsibility and all of a sudden we're very short on time and we can't do things the way we did it. And we do things differently. And it, it's kind of a pedestrian example, but for me, it's a very powerful example. When I remember when I first started blogging, like back in 2007, 2008, I bought some ad time um, or ad space on a blog called Design Mom and I did not have time to blog every day. I just didn't. There was Mm -hmm. no way. I had a full-time job. And so in my lack of time, I reached out to people to ask them to guest blog and to tell their stories. Mm. And my lack of time led to two things happening. Not only more content, but more importantly, these powerful stories of, of women primarily sharing the stories of their dreams, which made the blog infinitely more more powerful and interesting and compelling. But it was all sort I think of this lack of time is what's the positive unintended consequence of me being short on time or expertise or money?
1: An excellent question. And the other thing then is the willingness, this is what I'm hearing, the willingness to say, you know what, I have to decide what's core to me. And then how else can I reach out to the people that are in my network or my employees, my staff, so that they're doing things that will help them grow, that'll help all of us grow it's very tempting to keep more to ourselves than we really should. And that's one of the things that we see with companies that are growing. You know, you start a company and you say, I have to do everything because that's where maybe you started. But the company now has 3,000 employees (laughs) and you're still trying to uh, do a lot of the things that you needed to do. I can't tell you how many times I see people who are holding on to things they don't need to hold on to anymore.
0: And so that time constraint, uh, if we embrace it and really think what's important it helps us become more focused more effective as well as more efficient
1: absolutely whitney this has been great how about a uh, last thought about embracing the power of constraints so
2: one key takeaway for me is whenever you've got a constraint is to to ask yourself not you know why did this happen to me or why is this this thing in the way Um, because that's how we think of it. Mm -hmm. But how did this happen to help me? And so I think that's a really helpful question for me to ask And, and to remember that constraints invite us to make and own our choices, which is actually a critical developmental milestone for all of us. Igor Stravinsky, who's a a 20th century composer said, the more constraints one imposes, the more one frees himself. Ah. So for disruptors, constraints are not a check on absolute freedom. They're a tool of creation. And if we can think of it that way, I think we really can see the power in our constraints.
1: Absolutely. Very inspiring. So thank you again for being our guest on Growth Igniter's radio. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, Whitney, and thank you so much. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, read Whitney's bio, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 65.
1: Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team.
0: What constraints are we facing that we can actually turn to our advantage? And are there places where adding constraints could actually help us?